0: Welcome to uh, this, the first edition of Politics Kingston of the New Year. My name is Councillor Kevin Davis. I'm the leader of the Conservative group on Kingston Council. Um, And you can contact me anytime you like at kevin.davis at davis at kingston.gov.uk. We've got quite a varied programme today, and in fact, we've also got a listener who's written a question towards the end, which is going to deal with a a sort of a, a question I really don't want to deal with, but I'm going to anyway because. Uh, they've asked the question that's to do with Brexit. Um, I'm also going to be joined by Councillor Jason Hughes who's a relatively new member of the Council for Old Morden Ward and, and he'll be joining me in having a discussion about things that interest him and get his view on a number of issues. So let's crack on and let's go and uh, meet Jason. So, J- Jason, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, I mean, who you are, Um, why you live in Kingston. Um, Why did you decide to get elected?
1: Uh, Sure thing. Um, Well it wasn't down to me necessarily um, whether I got elected, it was down to the good people. Of course it was, yes. Of um, Old Morden Ward. Um, Well I'm Jason Hughes and um, I was elected as a Conservative councillor for Old Morden Ward in May last year. Um, I live in the borough with my wife Penny and I think that if you live in a place as special as the Royal Borough of Kingston upon Thames, um, it's incumbent upon you to give something back and My reason for standing is because I wanted to contribute to the borough in terms of public service. Um, I've got a varied background having worked in the public sector, the private sector and the voluntary sector and I wanted to bring those skills to represent the people of Old Morton and do the best job I can.
0: Excellent. And are you a Londoner or are you a uh, northerner? Uh,
1: well, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a thoroughbred southerner. Uh, I was oh. born in Portsmouth, which is about southern as you can get. Um, and then I uh, grew up in Surrey and uh, I've moved to uh, Kingston.
0: Well, well I which... we want to stereotype you, but you didn't decide to become a sailor then because you were... Uh, no. that, wasn't a, that wasn't a career choice
1: for you? Uh, salt blood does not run in my veins, um, uh, but seasickness isn't a problem, but no. Uh,
0: so you're more of a, um, uh, you're not really a Lord Nelson person than you're a, uh,
1: No, I, I wouldn't lay claim to that, but I, I'm sure I could sink a boat if I tried. Okay, let's
0: turn to some of the things which are sort of pr- happening at the minute around the council. Obviously the meetings haven't started again yet after the new year, but um, they kick off next week. But well, one of the things that seems to be coming up quite a lot in my email box, and we're hearing it online as well from people, is around consultation and engagement. And there seems to be the, 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 the council, the Lib Dems, where they took control, wanted to shift dramatically the way we consulted and engaged with people. And I think there's quite a lot of frustration out there that it's not really happened in the way that people think it should. Um, I don't know, have you picked up any of this particularly?
1: I think consultation in a- any form of government, and particularly local government, because that's where things really happen, um, in terms of doorstep politics and understanding how you know your fundamental services are delivered. Um, you need to go back to the fundamental principle, which is you've got two ears and one mouth, and you need to use them in that proportion. <laughs> and consultation is is an art rather than a science, and you're never going to get it totally right. But what you need to do, um, particularly if you're a council administration that has made Quite grand promises about listening to local residents, reflecting upon their views, and then delivering their priorities is actually you've got to come up with the goods. Do you?
0: I mean, they've they've come up with various things they want to try and do. I mean, uh, the, the leader of the council is going out on a sort of what she's called "Let's Talk" meetings, which I think there's another one next week. I can't remember which day it is, but there's certainly one in the next few weeks. I mean, public meetings are great, and. It's always good to listen to what people have got to say. I mean, they're branding this as something different when, of course, actually that's something we had been doing for the past three years. It was just called a different thing. It was called Kinks and Conversations. But I suppose the interesting thing for everybody is how do we get that balance between consulting people and taking decisions and at the same time not feeling that we're always letting people down by not agreeing with them? Because that's sometimes what happens, isn't it? It is and I think if one of the greatest problems
1: um, any tier of local government has is getting the participation of residents uh, to attend these meetings now what local government needs to do and I hope Kingston Council looks at itself very seriously on this is looking at perhaps new ways to consult with people because people live busy lives now um, young and old and attending a meeting in person is not always um, achievable for people and also you need to make sure that those meetings are accessible, well publicised and in order to again uh, repeat good attendance you need to make sure that they're run properly. Uh, Let's say for example you have a well attended meeting, um, views are heard and the feedback on the conduct of that meeting is good but the outcome is a decision that the majority of the people didn't want. That can lead to some scepticism about the whole consultation process uh, in its entirety But if you are taking a decision, you need to then follow it up with a proper explanation. And that can't just be, um, you know, spin from the council's press office Mm. or political leaflets that are trying to skew what may have happened and why it happened. It needs to be backed up with some evidence. And, you know,
0: residents don't want to feel as though they're being taken for a ride. One of the things they're talking about is uh, the fact they put a press release out this week saying they've given more powers to neighbourhood communities. Is that, does that, I mean, I, I sometimes wonder whether that's what really engages people, whether actually the decision is really massively important. It's the, it's the bit you do before you take your decision that's important. And Does that need to be done in, in committee meetings? I mean, you know, we're all short of time. We don't need to sit around doing nothing. And certainly residents don't turn up to these meetings because they're not engaging them particularly well, are they?
1: Yeah, I mean, the committees um, I sit on, including uh, our local neighbourhood committee, um, they do tend not to be very well attended, and they tend to be the same faces. And they're people who may be particularly energised by an issue, or are, um, let's say, fans of attending public meetings. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, which you know is is all very well, but you're not seeing a broad representation of of people at those meetings, uh, particularly when they can participate through public questions and uh, petitions, etc. So if you're if you're going to say and and make the claim that decision making at a local level um, through neighbourhood committees, for example, is being empowered. You need to give some evidence of that, and residents need to see that once a decision has been taken, that something has happened and at the end of it. And that doesn't always happen, and that that is a um, you know a breeding ground for scepticism. And I think that scepticism can sometimes be well founded. So underpinning all of that, basically is the need to communicate, to follow up. And that's communicating before that decision-making process has become, during it, and then after. Good. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense. So, let, well, I think the thing to do is we're gonna to have to watch this space over this because obviously they're evolving what they want to do in the future. It's obviously not working at the minute and something new's gonna to have to happen that's kind of radical. If they're gonna show that they've actually made a change, We'll have to to account on that.
1: But I, I would add to that that there's no magic wand for this. I've said it's an art yeah, rather than a science. Uh, um, but you've got to make sure that you know when you are artful with it that it has meaning and that meaning is demonstrated. Yeah, and also
0: getting the basics right. Yeah. Before you get overly complicated let's get the really simple stuff right. And Actually at the minute I'm not even sure we're doing that. Big time. So Jason, we're now uh, probably what a couple of weeks away from Uh, the Lib Dems publishing their first budget after the election, Um, things are looking good for our budget, it looks as if it's going to get delivered as as we expected um, back last year and as the auditors thought would happen. But um, I suppose a a short discussion really about what we expect to look for in that budget, I mean what are the things that kind of we would want to see um, uh, sort of given fair treatment I mean, obviously, one of the big key ones is uh, going to be the schools and how much money they have or don't have and how much money is removed from them. Uh, as I think we said in a previous podcast that the Lib Dems have pledged in a plan that they sent to the DfE, the Department for Education, that they were going to cut two million out a year, um, even though the schools are saying they're not going to support that. So there's going to be some discussion around that aspect and the schools' budget is definitely worth looking at. I mean, one of the ones that comes up Frequently, when talking to local residences, it's how much we spend on the visible things that everybody pays for, those sort of universal services. Um, I'm not talking about waste, necessarily, in this instance, but I think pavements is one where we get a lot of issues around the condition of pavements, and we also get problems around road surfacing as well, because obviously they are deteriorating. In fact, one of the great ironies for me is that we've spent an awful lot of money inserting bike lanes and the rest of the roads, the roads are deteriorating and cyclists aren't going to go anywhere near them because they're in such a poor state. So there's a couple. Any others you can think of at the minute, Jason, that we ought to be looking for next couple of weeks? It will be very interesting to see um, the Liberal Democrat approach to uh, council
1: tax overall. I mean, we need to remember that uh, you know, Kingston is the second smallest borough in Greater London and it has, I think, the, uh, the second highest council tax in all of London as well. And th- those, are, those are two... I think it's still the highest, actually. Oh, well... It, it, it is, yeah. Even worse. Um, I, that is something that we need to see. And also the rhetoric that comes from a new administration that certainly doesn't shy away from putting up tax. Um, I'll, I'll be keeping a very close eye on it. My, my opposition uh, portfolio on the council is contract monitoring and corporate services. So I would like to see a pretty robust set of statements coming out of the new administration as to how we manage those contracts, because a local government uh, authority, such as Kingston Council, needs to ensure that it is squeezing as much value out of its contractual relationships with providers. Um, those relationships span across all kinds of services, so I think we need some, some clear undertakings from the administration that they're gonna have robust contractual processes to make sure we get value for money. But turning to um, schools funding, What I would really like to see from the Liberal Democrat administration is a change in tone. Because at the moment, they are alleging that Kingston Council is on the brink of bankruptcy. Yeah, crazy. Um, And that's scaremongering tactics. Now, let's say, for example, you are um, young parents with a young family in Kingston. You value your school services more than anything else, I suspect, uh, with the exception, perhaps, of the NHS, but that's not a local government service. So when you're being told by your local council that they're on the brink of bankruptcy um, just for the sake of playing political games to have a go at the previous Conservative administration, I cannot see that giving uh, a young family uh, anything but sleepless nights because they're going to be worried about where funding is coming from to send their kids to school and to give them a good education. Now there are, of course, uh, plenty of um, budget difficulties, particularly with special educational needs and disabilities budgets. Um, We know that we have to tackle... Um, ...some of those budgetary stresses. But I want to see positivity coming out... ...the messaging from this council... ...rather than just um, political game-playing. I've I've got in front of me here... ...a a propaganda piece from the Liberal Democrats... ...and its headline is... ...Bankruptcy Battle! Kingston Lib Dems begin difficult task... ...of cleaning up Tories financial mess. People don't want to hear that kind of... um, ...you know, political uh, ping-pong. They want to see real solutions. And when it comes to schools' budgets... That's as close to home as it could possibly get for so many families in the borough
0: yeah and and of course w- what's really frustrating is that uh, uh the Lib Dems seem to get away with this stuff because you know it, it's not just spin that is a lie i mean that's as simple as simple as that, and it's in black and white from the auditors, so that is not the case um and in fact, as I said earlier, we are starting to see this current year's budget, which is the most difficult one that's ever had in Kingston in terms of reduction in expenditure. That's starting to come right and looks as if it's going to be delivered by the end of the year. But, uh, you know, politics is politics sometimes. It gets into very silly games. You'd have hoped that only 10, nine months after an election, you wouldn't be into this already, that we would have been just get, they'd have just been getting on with the job of running the council. But uh, it seems at the minute that uh, they just want to sling mud rather than worrying about anything else. But, but what's your... OK, so council tax is highest in London... What's, I mean, they, I think this year they can put it up maximum of 5%. So, best guess? What do you think?
1: I think, well, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but for the sake of this, I'll have a go. Um, I reckon they will go just short of the level that is required to trigger a referendum on council tax locally. Right. Okay. Um, I, um, I, I can just feel it in my bones because the the attitude that the Liberal Democrats have to the public purse is somewhat difficult to the, uh, different to that of the Conservatives. Um, we we try and alleviate the burden on taxpayers as much as possible whilst delivering first class services which are as close to residents' priorities as possible. Computer. And Computer. That, and that, and that goes back to the consultation point, which is, if you want to find out how the public um, want you to spend their money, it's not the council's money, it's the taxpayer's money, then you need to speak to them. Yeah. And reflect priorities accordingly. Absolutely right. Oh, I didn't get on to pay.
0: The other thing which we've... Had quite a lot of emails about uh, over the last couple of weeks since Christmas is the issue of the street cleansing and street sweeping and street bins. Now, in a sense, we always get some issues around this. It it seems to have got worse the last few weeks, and I, I did actually have a discussion with some colleagues of ours in Suttons to try and understand whether they have got the same problem because they're both they're both using the same contractor, um, and in April May time we're due to go into a new contract for uh, bins and waste collection uh, with both Merton and Croydon and Sutton. And now historically Sutton um, had a bit of a car crash about a year, 18 months ago when they introduced their new bin collection scheme. It went very, very badly. Um, and Merton has also had the same problem with it. So we've got to make sure that when we go into this new contract we don't get any issues around it, and particularly on the issue of street sweeping. and. Um, I talked to Sutton and, and they appear to have exactly the same problem there where there seems to be suddenly a downturn in the quality of what's going on. So we're going to do a bit of digging on this over the next few weeks because what we don't want to do is end up going into a contract which, you know, frankly is going to make it worse rather than better um, uh, for Kingston and that's going to be quite a challenge. But. I mean, you've, you've lived in the borough a while. I mean, how, I mean, how have you adapted to all these changes that keep happening with bin collections and waste? Has it been easy?
1: Recycling? Do you recycle? I uh, do recycle. Um, one, of, one of the most difficult things, I think, about the recycling um, in, in Kingston is food waste because the foxes are incredibly cunning in oh, Kingston. Yeah. And uh, even if you put a brick on top of your food waste bin like I do, somehow the fox manages to... Uh, delicately pick the brick up, put it on the floor, then rummage through your bin. So, you know, that, that that's uh, something you need to adapt to. Um, but, uh, no, I, generally speaking, over the last four years, I think that the waste collection in Kingston has been a solid and reliable service. And I it to maintain that, that level of standard because residents expect it. You know, for the amount of council tax that we pay uh, on an annual and monthly basis, you expect a decent service. And it is one of those fundamental services as well. Um, you know, when, when things go wrong with that service, that's when my inbox from Old Morden gets chock-a-block. And take, for example, um, street sweeping and cleansing. Um, I must have had half a dozen residents over the last two months contact me about wet leaves on the pavement. And most of those residents were um, elderly. If you fall over because there's wet yeah, leaves on, on your yeah, street, yeah, yeah. because, you know, uh, the service you pay for via your council tax isn't up to scratch, and you're elderly and you fall over and you hurt yourself in the cold weather that's a serious issue and it's not much to ask for the amount of council tax that we pay for our streets to be swept properly
0: yeah this is interesting because this is where originally all this came from was that uh, there was a number of residents who reported that even in the middle of december we were still doing sweet street sweeping of leaves from the autumn and that doesn't feel right um you know and the new bicycle lane down portsmouth road which was installed was just a wash with leaves which didn't seem to be particularly right. So that's, that was the first signal that we got, that there was seemed to be a problem around this, and we do have to do a bit more to investigate what's going on. Yeah, um, and the thing is, though, you need to make
1: sure that your, your gullies and your drains are properly uh, kept clear as well, because if you get wet leaves in there, and I've had complaints about this as well, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful to the council officers who, who, who do respond uh, quickly and pay attention to the issue, we've got to make sure that the gully suckers and the, uh, uh, the blockage... Uh, machines and materials are used properly to ensure that we don't have flooding and we prevent problems before they happen we haven't had much of a deluge of rain over the last few months uh, in winter thus far but that could change and we need to be prepared for that so i would be expecting the council to to have those processes in place to make sure that we don't get easily solvable problems happening before they happen
0: Just finishing off on that issue of street sweeping and street bins and things, Um, if residents do want to email us with any issues that they've got or they discover, then they're more than welcome to do it. Um, I suggest they come through to me to start with, which is kevin.davis, D-A-V-I-S, at kingston.gov.uk, and we'll try and do whatever we can about it. Or if you just want to ask a question of us... And this podcast, then please also you can email either through um, the app or just directly to us. And we have a question. We do actually have a question. Actually, Um, it's from James in New Malden. I don't think it's the same James that uh, that uh, we all know so well. But uh, and also it's about a subject which I try to avoid discussing. But I suppose given that we are so close, it's worth us having a short debate about this. And that's Brexit. there's a vote next week, isn't there, Jason? Uh, what's going to happen? Any uh, idea? What's your best guess? I mean, uh, can we just toss a coin?
1: I, I think that, that would be much easier. Um, I haven't got any change on me, so you'll have we'll to probably stop probably give up us a double-sided
0: coin. Yeah, exactly.
1: Or, or, or it, would la- it would land on its side. Yeah. Um, what's going to happen next week is is pretty clear to me. The uh, the prime minister is going to lose the vote.
0: By much, or is she going to get absolutely hammered? I mean, what, what you know.
1: Well, I th- I suspect she's going to get moderately hammered. Um, and what we're hearing from Ten Downing Street at the moment, and all of the political pundits who are having a field day with this, <laughs> um, is that it's just a question of how much she loses by. Mm. Um, that you know, that's not an enviable position to be in, but that's the best she's got at the moment. So she's going to be defeated, and it's clear that there are cross-party deals both for her deal and against her deal, being struck at the moment. I mean, I was fascinated to see that the Prime Minister was speaking to trade union leaders um, yesterday, uh, trying to get them behind her deal. So,
0: Were well, there beer and sandwiches, or is it...? Uh... Uh, well, okay. a, 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 nice, a nice Beaujolais and a yeah, croissant, right, okay. perhaps. Probably nowadays, yes, with unions. Yeah. It wouldn't quite be the same old beer and sandwiches of the 1970s, would it? But either way, you know,
1: everything's up in the air, the clock is ticking. How many days is it...?
0: Kevin is like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I can't, It's
1: not very long. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just around the corner and we're in uncharted territory. Who knows, we could end up with a, a no-deal situation. Um, I, I think it's unlikely yeah. that we'll have a second referendum. And if we did, I think there would be a, a tremendous turnout for it, motivated by anger yeah. um, under the sensation and the feeling that um, we've already... You know, we've already voted on this. Why are we voting again? Is this a stitch up? We'll make sure it isn't. I suppose the big disappointment for everybody, apart
0: from the fact that, you know, if, if there was anything like that happened, I mean, I, I agree, I don't think a second referendum is either right or likely. Um, but, the, but the biggest disappointment is that come March the 30th, the day after we leave uh, the European Union, we're still going to be talking about Brexit. And we're going to be talking about it for God knows how long now, because, I mean, there's still further negotiation to take place and there's still work to be done and we haven't actually got to the end of this year, which is just going to frustrate everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, whatever happens um, at the end of March, uh, the end isn't necessarily in sight and we're going to be talking about Brexit for decades to come because it is the defining political moment, um, uh, p- the most defining political moment we've had for a very, very long time indeed. And I suspect that we will be talking about it, as I say, for decades to come, uh, because the, the ramifications of leaving the European Union are completely uncharted territory, and we're, we're going to have to make the most of it. And that's one of the key points here. Um, now, Kingston was a overwhelmingly Remain uh, voting borough, but I know I'm coming from a split household on, on the issue myself, is that even some ardent Remainers are saying, right, you know, we've had the vote, let's just get on with it. Yeah. And I do think that a lot of the public are just getting frustrated um, by all of the political uh, point scoring and all the machinations and scheming that's going on to try and unravel, you know, the decision of the British people as a whole. It's, it's, it's fascinating from a pundit point of view, and also from somebody who's politically involved. But um, let's get on with it. Yeah, National interest.
0: I'm completely right. So I'm afraid, James, in New Malden, that uh, we we don't know, and I don't actually think the Prime Minister knows either at the minute. Or well, she does know she's keeping it very close to her chest. <laughs> I do hope she's got tucked away a plan B and a plan C, but uh, what the hell are they are going to look like? Who knows? And the rest of the alphabet. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, Jason, thanks very much for joining us this week, um, for just going through a few items with us. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another podcast. Thanks, Kevin. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed this uh, edition of Politics Kingston for the first week um, of the new year. Um, we'll be back next week with some things that have happened in the council there'll be meetings next week in the council as well so we can report back to you what's happened in I think it's than and Coombe neighbourhood and possibly even south the Borough neighbourhood so there's going to be lots to talk about next week um, once again I wish you a happy new year and let's hope uh, 2019 brings as much uh, interest as 2018 and let's hope we can get through March 29th Without much fuss, I doubt it. Speak soon.